You're listening to Not Another Origin Story, the comic movie podcast that was poisoned, stabbed, shot, and drowned, and still just won't die. I'm your host, <laughs> Pogues, and I'm joined by Abe Sapien's aquarium cleaner, Ben Chapman. How's it going, Ben? It's going all right. Um, I believe uh, this episode will be sponsored by Baby, Ru- Baby Roos, the preferred candy for Agents of Satan. Exactly. That, or what was it? Was it Bud Light or Coors Light that he picks up with his tail? <laughs> prominently displayed in, in the camera for like a full four seconds before he picks it up. You think that comes up when you talk to the product placement person? Like, yeah, your, your, your drink's going to be in the movie. In the hands of a demon. What was that? Nothing. No, it's, it's, it's going to be in the movie. Right and center. It's gonna He's be- also going to steal it, so <laughs> I hope that's not a problem. He's not even going to pay for your beer. Oh, boy. He's literally just taking it because it's the closest beer. Stealing it from an underage child, I imagine, which is um, good? I don't know. <laughs> we'll say, well, yeah, let's go with good. Yeah. We'll get into the uh, specifics of underage drinking and demons preventing such a thing in a later episode. Yeah, there, that, that comes up a lot in comic book movies. <laughs> Uh, you may have noticed that we're guestless this week. Uh, our scheduled guest kind of fell through because of scheduling, so I just used the word schedule twice in a sentence. Uh-huh. So we're guestless, but who cares? We also said, hey, any friends, do you want to uh, dedicate an hour and a half of your time to be on a uh, nerd podcast uh, for no pay? And weirdly, nobody got back to us. So I got back one, but it was just a stream of obscenities, which <laughs> sounds slightly offensive. I lost friends on Facebook, so I don't know. Yeah. Hmm. One of them was me, oddly enough. <laughs> yeah, that really was pretty insulting. Well, we watched Hellboy 2004's mm-hmm. Hellboy. <laughs> that is correct. Uh, before we get into it, what what's your connection to the Hellboy universe? Uh, I think we talked about it in the mini-episode a little bit, but to recap, like some of the other series we've been talking about right now... Um, it's kind of a conceptual connection, so to speak, in that I've read scattered uh, Hellboy comics from here and there, and I've seen tons of art, and I'm just sort of a big fan of the idea of the Hellboy and the characters and, like, the sort of, you know, sci-fi, Cthulhu magic sort of mashup, uh, uh, 1940s, etc. Uh, style that is um, Hellboy, but... Um, I'm not too versed in his work. However, for this episode, I did a little more research than usual, and I reread a book I've read previously, which is Seed of Destruction, which is the, uh, I don't want to say first, but it's certainly one of the... It is. It is the first? Okay. It's the introduction of Hellboy, aside from a couple of uh, little short comics that were produced as ads. Yeah, and was the basis of this film, so to speak, kind of. Yes. Um, uh, And I think it was really relevant for me to read it beforehand I, I really really enjoyed it um so i have a lot of comments to say about that in comparison to the film but in general yeah i, I have a positive interested um uh, appreciation for hellboy but i can't say that i'm a diehard fan because uh i know i've not read anywhere near as much as you have uh yeah i went back and actually reread seed of destruction i pulled it off my shelf of all of my hellboy trade paperbacks uh, huge fan, uh, Mike Mignola, Mignola, however you say his last name. Uh, I, his art is what drew me into the series. I think that he, he has one of the most unique art styles. It's, it's beautiful. Love it. Love the comic. Love the idea of matching sort of HP Lovecraft, uh, story elements with, like you said, World War II, sort of steampunk, not really steampunk, but like all those sort of things mixed together, sort of a a revisionist history of the whole events of World War II and, and now 
still collect Hellboy in Hell. Really enjoy the series. I'm getting, uh, right now, James Heron, who's an artist uh, who worked on the BPRD series, is drawing me a picture of Lobster Johnson and Captain America. <laughs> so I should be getting that sometime soon. That's fantastic. So, wow. Yeah, I'm a, I am a huge uh, Hellboy fan. Love it from top to bottom. The concept, the execution, the stories, everything about it. It's it's. Probably it is it is definitely my favorite comic book series, I would say. Beating out, you know, like my second favorite, you know, probably like Sandman, I would say, is probably the next best comic book series for me. So it's in good company for those of you listening. So uh considering that you have such an intense fandom for this series, I imagine I can only assume that you've got nothing but glowing things to say about the film. Uh no. I actually remember seeing this movie in the theater <laughs> and I remember leaving and being super like just been like really bummed out. Really? Like, I'm actually yeah. pretty stunned to hear that because I, I understand that vibe as like a as like a super fan going into a film adaptation and, and having that trouble with like you know, wanting to accept a new person's take on it, but also struggling with what your preconceptions of the character are. I totally get that. But um I don't think this was like a terrifically bad film. Uh, no, I was just sort of bummed because, Critically. like, like I think, uh, like Ron Perlman, I think he does a great job as Hellboy. I think yeah. his costume looks really cool. I think they did a good job, but it just feels like everything they did, they just missed it just a little for for my taste. Sure. So I will point out at the beginning of this episode that uh, Mike Mignola, the creator of Hellboy, has said he's very happy with these films and he enjoys them. So it really doesn't matter what I say because the guy who made it all up enjoys it. But to me, they just felt like they they fell short of the mark. Yeah, that's an important point. Is uh, is it's is 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 that our criticism isn't necessarily um, something that we think is universal as much as we <laughs> as much as we just like have uh, a, a particular um, um, uh, things to take to task with a film, but but generally might like it or or, or somewhat appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, and there are definitely parts of this movie that I like, but there are definitely things that I just felt like really fell apart for me. So I remember leaving being bummed because I saw it with some friends and they're like, this is awesome. I'm like, that's not even close to the way Hellboy is. He's such a like a better character and the story is so much better. But we'll get on to that as we, as we go through the movie. We'll do a real quick by the numbers. Um, how much do you think this movie costs to make? Um, I'm getting better at this, I think. Uh, I'm going to go with a nice round number. Uh, maybe like a, maybe like a, a, a no, 55, 55 million. That was a, that was a good guess, man. I'm going to applaud you. A little pat on the back. Am I getting better? <laughs> you I'm are. So You're getting much better. I think I shot like 60 million under in my last attempt. Yeah, I think for, I think when I ask you for X-Men, yeah. your guess was like, like just insanely low yeah, it was like yeah. 10 million dollars or something I, I never uh, know what I'm doing what, uh, so so what is the actual uh, uh, budget 66 million which okay. I was actually somewhat surprised I, yeah. I did not think this was but I guess there is a lot of CGI in it so that probably bumped it up yeah that what can't take th- up for most of the cost because it seems like they got someone uh, to do that on their lunch break because yeah. the CGI is not good <laughs> yeah it's it's dated for like 2000 not for 2004 it feels it's, like they, they made this movie and then waited a few years to release it. And I'm well aware that CGI gets a bad rap just because people like have seen some shitty things like bad Supermans flying through the air and stuff like that in other films. And and, and I think people stand out when they see the bad CGI. They're like, oh, all CGI is just atrocious. Um, but good CGI is you know, good when you don't notice it, all that stuff. Um, but this was particularly like 
I, I noticed it. Like, I couldn't stop. <laughs> I couldn't stop going, hmm, am I watching a cartoon now? When there was, like, fight sequences happening. Um, yeah, yeah, you can definitely tell the second he becomes, he goes from a person to yeah, it's, CGI Hellboy. It's which disruptive. Is like a, he's, like, a whole different color. He's, like, two shades darker red for some reason. It's like, ooh, that guy probably should at least try to match his skin tone. Mm-hmm. How much money do you think this made its U.S. gross? You know? So just domestically. Mm, I don't remember it doing very well but i'll say like i'll, I'll, uh, I'll say about 40, 40 million domestic uh, it did better than that it made just shy of 60 million but surprisingly i was surprised it didn't even bring back its gross in the u.s worldwide it made 99 million so you know that worldwide is always a hard thing to figure because the actual cost of a film doesn't include all the money they spend advertising it Plus all the money they have to spend to advertise it worldwide. So who knows how much of that thirty-three million they actually got back? I'm shocked that it got a sequel because that is not. I mean, there's been movies who have had a much higher gross and did not get a sequel. So sort of an odd time, but I guess it worked for them. I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> but now then, let's 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 get into it. Uh, this movie starts much like Spider-Man with a, a voiceover. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I actually, I gotta, I gotta be honest. I watched this a night ago. I, I don't remember the intro um, narration because this movie is so long. It's two hours and something. Yeah. It's just yeah, it's just over two hours. So with credits and stuff, it's probably like a little under two hours. But it feels every bit of two hours. It's a strangely, it's a strange thing to do because when you rock a two-hour mark, you've got like an epic tale to tell. And this is, um, you know, this is an interesting take on Hellboy. It's 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 attempting to put him on screen, but at the core of it, like stripping away like the comic uh, narrative and all that stuff, and having just the story is not a complex story. It's it's no. it's it's the basic. Story that basically seems like it seems it was taken out of um, um, the Mummy or <laughs> Men in Black. It's it's like a basic story where bad guy from a million years ago shows up and wants to destroy the world, and plucky good guy wants to say don't do that. Like it's pretty straightforward. What do you need two hours for? Well, if you're gonna make it two hours, there definitely should not be chunks of the movie where you're like, wow, they could really lose this. 20 minutes worth of film and it would be the exact same movie you know like you don't watch the godfather and you're like wow this is really long they could have lost this 40 minutes you're like this is a great movie i can see why it's so long they crammed so much into it this movie you're like wow this really should have only been an hour and 45 minutes tops yeah which yeah which isn't like a cut really at like the movie itself but in films i mean like it's in like brevity and, and, and you know moving from point to point is super important and this movie kind of like languish in areas oh um, yeah there's huge chunks of the movie that do nothing to advance the story they're yeah. just scenes the whole the whole chasing uh liz and um whatever the oh, guy's uh, name is i don't even remember myers, myers on, yeah. on their on their sort of date yeah, that whole thing could be entirely cut out of the film and it really would not have affected the film that much not even it's that. Served but no real purpose, and not, it's like it's a good fifteen. Mi- I mean, maybe not. Maybe it's only three minutes, but it feels forever when you're watching it. And not to get too ahead or anything, but the entire sequence in which they're going through various traps in the temple at the end, I, when oh, that started yeah. happening, I'm like, "What movie am I in? Like, why? 
Why is this that, happening? Yeah, that was like an entirely bizarre turn of events. That that whole catacomb scene—it's like it's from an entirely different film. I also at that point was like, "Hey, where'd Abe go?" <laughs> he still hurt. I know he was wounded, but we had to write him out of the movie from just like a pretty mild scene. Anyway, I'm I'm jumping all around. That's all right. Uh, t- t- talk to me about this narration here, because I honestly don't remember what was said. I'm not going to lie to you. I don't remember the narration. <laughs> so, uh, uh, listeners, the opener of the Hellboy movie is a forgettable bit of narration. It's, it's something about, he says, uh, what makes a man, is it his origins or something? I can't, it's something along those lines. Uh, well, speaking of origins, the intro is an origin story. Uh, yes. As this is pl- a cold open, too. I think the first of the movies we've done with a cold open. Yeah, that's that's true. Um, and, and of of the origin stories, I gotta say might be one of my favorites uh really there's this this was one of the things that bummed me out about this movie really i i really enjoy this sequence because um if you screen cap any scene from the opening sequence when they're on the island in scotland uh where it's just you know it's it's army battalion moving up on fucking badass paranormal Nazi soldiers. I don't want to give them the term badass, but the design of their characters are so interesting. You got, you got fucking uh, 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 Monocle Guy. You got... You got yeah. Monocle Guy. You got so Monocle Guy. You got the name, the German name, I, I, I don't think I can pronounce. Um, uh, Cronin? The, cr- yeah, Cron- Cron- Cronenbot or whatever his name is. Yeah. Um, it's such an interesting clockwork, steampunk character design. You've got... Uh, 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 Rasputin himself with that sick, like, metaphysical glove that's tapping yeah. into a portal. You have all this is happening in a rainstorm where they've washed the color out of this sequence. So it's like a black and white, almost Sin, Sin City sort of, like, highlighting certain areas and darkening others. Which is very much like comic book sketch kind of style. And then just certain colors, particularly the red and a lot of the uniforms and whatnot is popping out. And those are the only three colors in that scheme in that entire opening sequence, which just feels like such a comic book way to open a fucking movie. Yeah. Unfortunately, the movie actually starts with these guys marching across Scotland, like screaming at each other and being like, we've been out here forever. They're just like yelling really loud. And then they turn the corner and there's just like Nazis. I'm like, there's no way these Germans did not <laughs> yeah. hear them coming. They're yeah. so loud. Unfortunately, all the Nazi, uh, the paranormal uh, Nazi outfits uh, really kind of cover up the ears. They kind of, they're all wearing yeah. hoods. They've got all these hoods and, and, and cowls and they really kind of block I, out your I do sound. appreciate that the Nazis showed up, set up this gigantic portal device, and then were like, well, why, we got a little bit of time. Let's hang some banners. <laughs> yeah, yeah. In the background, I was like, wow, that's the Nazis for you. Real I mean, concerned with appearances. Technically, they were expecting a guest, so they kind of wanted to spruce the place up a bit, you know? The thing that also bums me out about this scene, I, there are parts of it I love. Like you said, the glove is straight. They they captured the look of the glove from the comics. It's different because the soldiers don't show up where Rasputin is in the comics, but whatever. Uh, the thing that I like that just, I don't know, I, this annoys me in movies, and I know I shouldn't let it annoy me because it happens in like every movie. But like when a fight scene like this breaks out, people just do like completely uncharacteristic things. The soldiers are lined up along like a like a little hill and they can perfectly see every nazi and they're like attack they throw a couple grenades and then run towards their enemy yeah they have a perfect base of fire just stay back there and shoot everybody it's 
it's bizarre, and I know it sounds nitpicky when when one of us is like, "Oh, come on, why would they do that?" And you're like, "Come on, it's a fucking movie." But the thing is, is that if you think to movies that you really, really, really enjoy, and this may be one of them, but if you think to movies with really good action, especially more recent films like John Wick or or or, or just any 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 really kick-ass like action film, it's those moments where a lot of reality is is brought into the fight sequences so that they're so believable that you it's almost like you don't have to suspend your disbelief and suddenly you're just like fucking into it like watching a sequence in like um uh, a born identity or something where he's just like using a pen to stab a man or something very basic that's very real and visceral so when something is done in a movie properly properly like that you kind of really get into it so yeah i i, I too am disappointed when something bizarre happens like a bunch of soldiers like fumble over a wall they did not need to go over to attack soldiers that they already could shoot although they've already proven they're like the worst soldiers because they're screaming the entire time they're walking uh, the other thing is this – I always hate this in movies. This happens in tons of movies. All right. Cronin is shooting people with his, his pistol. He runs out of ammo and blades come out of his hand and like five soldiers run at him. I'm like, why would you run towards him? He, he, he's just, re- yeah. he has gigantic knives on his hands. He's re- closer is going to make it worse. He's revealed his, bu- his, his weapon and you're like, okay, all right. I guess I won't shoot <laughs> Yeah, it is odd. Not to mention the fact that, like, the third person over the wall is our paranormal advisor to the president, unarmed. It's, which, why he's running at all is, is no bizarre. idea. I don't and know where also, he's going. Like, I don't know why he felt he needed to go over. Like, I, I feel like he needs to get to the device, but I'm not in the first wave, buddy. Just, like, wait a minute. Or maybe you guys could have just stayed where you were, brought a bazooka, and shot it from a distance, <laughs> and then killed everybody. But also, the guy leading them is appears to be, like, a man, like, in his, like, late 50s to early 60s and i'm like they refer to him as just like lieutenant or something i'm like wow this guy must have gotten busted down for something because <laughs> at that age he should really be like a general they, they sent off all their like misfit soldiers to go chase down this like pretend nazi threat that they didn't even believe existed that would actually believe be a believable plot point <laughs> yes and then then they're hanging out and there's the whole they they come across Hellboy who they think is a monkey or something. I don't know that whole scene. I did not like, but the thing that ruined like the thing that killed me in that scene is the guy who plays young Professor Broom is horrible. He is just a terrible actor. You can t- like you feel like the whole time he's doing like Shakespeare in the Park. Like everything he says is just really over the top, and like the whole time I was just like, oh. You should not have cast somebody who can't act when the guy who plays him as an adult is a really good actor. <laughs> like, you should have gotten two crappy actors or two mediocre actors. Don't pick a guy who's a really good actor and then a terrible actor. That is that is a little tough. I didn't. I don't think his performance particularly stuck out for me. But when he when he mentioned Shakespeare in the Park, yeah, you're kind of right. He did have a very like overwrought sort of a uh, 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 style, which, uh, again, I agree with you, but it, it didn't stick out to me too. too oh, yeah, so this is definitely nitpicky in this Yeah, part, sure. But, uh, that, that bothered me. We get our first product placement of uh, Baby Ruth's, Baby not Ruth's. to be the last. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> uh, they do have what was the fastest title sequence of any of these movies we watched, which I appreciated. But a really bad one. It was, like oh, a, yeah. it, it was a Windows 98 screensaver through and through. Not to mention, it is the first instance of, uh, I think, three instances of 
um, terrible fucking I, I fucking hate this in movies is when they need exposition so they they show a picture of like a newspaper whether it's like flying past or it's like in this case like it's like floating around this weird fucking screensaver um, in this case a paper flies past from the New Jersey Chronicle I want to say I think it is uh, it comes up later too. The, the, the New Jersey Times. I wrote it down, and the the headline is "The Government Hides the Truth." It's uh, a very open ended headline, yeah. really. I'm not really sure that's news. And, and front page news, like first 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 posting news, is the government hides the truth. Like, and then there's no image with it. I'm like, what? What paper is this? Is this like? It, it comes up later. Uh, uh, when there's like a vision of the apocalypse coming oh, in, I love that scene because I'm like the the paper that blows up and says apocalypse. Yeah, it's also from the New Jersey Times, and it those says, people apocalypse. should win whatever the newspaper <laughs> award is because they were like, huh, the sky just opened up and gigantic demons came out of it. We got to get this to press quick. Okay, I have the title apocalypse. Do we need anything else? No, print it. We don't have time. <laughs> uh, Let's get the hell out of New Jersey. Also, was Hellboy's accent meant to be Jersey or Brooklyn? I couldn't nail it down. I think it's meant to be Ron Perlman refuses to do that. <laughs> it's whatever Ron Perlman wanted to do. I don't know if you ever saw Season of the Witch or In the Name of the King, both films which take place in what is supposed to be like the Middle Ages, and in which both cases he's still just a guy from Jersey. Like He's just <laughs> like, no, I'm not going to do that. What uh, is there ever an explanation as to why... Like Hellboy would have a Brooklyn accent since his his quote unquote father has a nowhere near even an American accent really. Nope. I guess the assumption is they raised him there, but I mean in the comics he's raised out in like the New Mexican desert, and he yeah. ages super fast, so he becomes an adult by the time he's like eight. He's like a full size person. Yeah, they kind of hinted at that where he's like twenty in this movie, so they they hint that he ages quickly. I think someone says yeah. dog years in reverse, which was a fun comment. Yes. Uh, all right, the movie switches. This was another scene that I thought was just bizarre is they cut over and there's a doctor looking at what appears to be like 57 x-rays on like a rotating billboard. Oh, yeah. And she turns to the other doctor and says, have you told him yet? And he's like, not yet. And immediately I'm like, what the fuck? You, you can't not tell somebody about their medical results. Like, he's dying. You need to tell him immediately. Like, maybe if you had told him when you first found out, he would have more than six months left. Like, I think he should have been going to chemo. Unless that doctor is, like, uh, his brother or something. He can't really be like, oh, this is a tough... Yeah, yeah, it's just tell the dude that he's got cancer. He's, like, 90. I'm sure he's not going to be, like, super surprised. Yeah, it, to me, I was just like, when she was like, have you told him yet? I'm like, this better be his first appointment, because if not, <laughs> this guy needs to lose his doctor's But life. those are the doctors that work in his facility, so it's definitely not. I guess. Uh, well, no, he's he's in the middle of downtown Jersey or New York, wherever they're at, because he walks out, and he's, like, oh, in right. the middle of the street. That's true. Also, he's, like, um, they tell him that it's in, like, six of his organs, and he's shuffling a tarot card deck, and the one doctor's like, if you'd like a second opinion, I'm like, okay, you get a second opinion when somebody's like, I think you might have cancer, not, it's in every one of your organs. Like, by then, you're probably just like, well, I don't think they could screw up that bad. Do you want six separate opinions for all the then, different cancers? But then he flips over a tarot card, and it's death. He's like, I don't need one. And I'm like, wait, everybody knows the death tarot card doesn't actually mean death. Like, that's like a common... Everybody knows that, I well, thought. Well, I didn't know that until you just said it, so... Really? I oh, would not that's... agree with you on that. Wow, okay, I guess... And I know who else doesn't know that. Guillermo. 
Yeah, apparently my years studying the paranormal as a member of the BPRD was... Uh... <laughs> also, Tarot's a weird one to, like, bust out right away. Because Tarot's pretty much, I think, widely considered as, like, a hippie-slash-hacky kind of... Yeah. Uh, ...kind of mysticism. So it's not really a, a cool one to bust out right away. I think it's, it was a... it, it's also, like, a real mixed signal because the hand he uses to flip over the card has a rosary wrapped around it. Yeah. So it's, it's like, this odd. guy's, like, hardcore... Believing in, in in Jesus and the virgin birth, and he's like, "Well, let me shuffle a deck of cards and see if I'm going to die." Yeah, I dug the bit, but I think there might have been a better way to do that without using tarot cards. Because I mean, there's a million tarot places around. <laughs> Just like some some old like grumpy lady who's going to th- flip over some cards and tell you you've got good future coming your way. It's oh, not yeah, a, it's yeah. not a thrilling like thing to be into. You can literally learn how to like. I'm not. This is not to demean anybody who does tarot readings or anything, but I no, it is. Of- I bought a pack of tarot cards because they were like Art Nouveau and I just wanted the art. And there's a little thing that explains how to use it. And I was like, oh, wow, you really don't need any effort. Like, there's a little pamphlet. It's two pages and it explains how to read a tarot card. I was like, oh, that's sort of a downer for people who use this as a profession. Huh. These are the exact rules of crazy eights. Yeah. Yeah, It's just war. They're like, you just flip it over, whichever card's higher. I'm like, you battle battle someone else's tarot cards. (laughs) Whoever ends with death wins. Uh, he goes outside, and there's the... I In 2004, I'm surprised that there's still a store showing, like, tube TVs in a window facing out, just Ooh. showing random television. Yeah. But it's uh, Jeffrey Tambor, who is, like, uh, his name's Tom Manning in the movie. He's an FBI guy. He's on what I could only refer to as the daytime poor man's Larry King. The guy has, like, suspenders, but it's, like... He looks like he's on a like a talk show, like a yeah. That's public like access through and through. Why is he on that? <laughs> well, it looks like he's on like a late night talk show, like the set. Like oh yeah, Tamper's in like a couch, and I'm like, did they just film that on like the Tonight Show set? And they were just like, man, who cares? Also, remember the last time the uh, the head of the FBI was on, you know, Letterman? Would when- you remember the last time the head of the FBI was interviewed at all about? what is essentially straight up a conspiracy theory because literally the only proof they have is one blurry photo. I want to live in that world where where we bring on we bring in the head of the FBI and we yell at them about conspiracy theories yeah, like, on national about TV. That Patterson Bigfoot uh, video, you know, he's like, "Well, I think it's fake." That that being said, even though Jeffrey Tambor isn't necessarily taking on the role of any particularly established Hellboy character as far as I understand, um, I fucking love him. I just yeah. when it, if I, we can just just Hollywood. If you're listening from now on, whenever we have a bureaucrat bureaucrat in any film like that, can we just make it Jeffrey Tambor because he's just the fucking best. He's one of those like effortless actors. Like he just yeah, just his, walks into a scene doing exactly what he would normally do, and it's perfect. We get then blue uh, broom goes back to the BPRD, which is disguised as a waste management place. Uh, and then a new recruit shows up, and he walks up and pushes a button. Now, this place is in the middle of the city. There's a road leading up to it, and in the background, when they cut to another shot, you can see there's people walking on the street. This guy loudly yells into a microphone, I'm John Myers from Quantico Transfer. I'm with the FBI. I'm like, this is a secret organization. Maybe don't yell you're from the FBI right now. Like, yeah, but it's a couple ten feet away from you. How secret is it? Because when they open the gates and he drives up, you're looking at like a like a, a beautiful like mansion like structure with uh, two things: um, an eternal flame. Yes, <laughs> that's and, exactly what I was going to say. And a statue uh, of someone. I guess the patron saint of garbage. Like I don't know who who do we because this is supposed to be a waste like disposal plant or something. Who is what? 
Unless this is in the heart of London, that does not make any sense. Like, why is this such a magnificent structure? It looks like it, it could be home to, like, Homeland Security, but it's, like, some sort of, like, local waste management facility. Also, another weird thing is the building is huge, and then when they go inside, it's clear that only the lobby's real. So I'm like, why did you build the rest of the <laughs> That's like, yeah, you, the whole thing's downstairs. You think it's an actual waste disposal plant up, up upstairs? That's how they fund themselves. They're yeah. actually just waste management. We're introduced to, this is, I know this guy's supposed to be like our way into the BPRD. He's our, he's the audience's surrogate. But I don't, I think the movie would have been better served if we didn't have a surrogate. Like if they just tossed us in. Yeah, I agree. He's, um, he's disposable. Um. And he doesn't really have, uh, he doesn't have a lot of depth, and he's not given a lot of depth in scenes. So he's yeah. sort of just, he's sort of just like, yeah, he's like holding your hand as you walk through, like showing you around, and it's really frustrating <laughs> because it's not hard to follow, and it's and Hellboy's a really interesting character. You don't need to do that. Yeah, and I mean, he's really not a very likable character either. So like, as a as a the surrogate, he's not particularly great. So you're just like, oh, I don't really care. Uh, now he's introduced though to the to all the people uh, in the BPRD. He first meets Abe Sapien, uh, the character from the comics, who for some reason now is a psychic, I guess, and has to stay in water. Even though in the comics he doesn't really have to, he can walk around on land fine. But yeah, actually, I, I like in the comics when he first arrives, he's like wearing like a hat and beard to disguise his like general fishiness which i thought yes. was really awesome he does not do anything close to that in this film no and i just thought it was odd that all of a sudden he's psychic because it really only plays a part in one scene in the movie and it that scene in the movie could have easily been replaced by the fact that the museum would have had security cameras yeah and then so him being psychic is pointless that's that's an extremely good point because i don't necessarily hate that they made him psychic because it does kind of blend with his like weird character I don't know how, it's not like there's a psychic fish in existence, but when I first watched this uh, movie, I hadn't read this Seed of Destruction comic, so I wasn't actually aware that they made their own superpower here, and it never stuck out to me as odd. But watching it again, I was like, why add it without yes. using it? Yeah, any, there's, there's any, any really reason. no big point. You're just like, that. to me, like watching it just as a fan of the series, I'm like, what a bizarre thing just to add in for no reason. Like, yeah. at all. Yeah. And same with, like, the rotten eggs. I was like, that's just a weird, like... I mean, I know it's, like, three seconds in a scene, but I'm like, why does it need to be in there? Like, it's just such a weird thing to be like, you know, it'd be great as if in this scene he's feeding them rotten eggs. I, you know, you're just like, why, though? Maybe just cut that dialogue out and... Uh, the reason why is to get audio of David Hyde Pierce eating a, uh, a hard-boiled egg. That's it. <laughs> yeah, that's why. That's why you Del Toro it. has one like really <laughs> fucked up fetish. I want. I want that. Just the audio of him eating those as my ringtone. Uh, then he's taken downstairs where he meets uh, Clay. Now Clay, I feel like was supposed to be played by John Favre, but like he couldn't do it because of scheduling. Not to mention that he 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 gives this appearance of being a disposable character, even though he's treated in the general story as not being disposable. Like he's treated like more like an agent Coulson in the Avengers movies where he's like just like an agent, but he's like a cool one. He's like the one you want to yeah. root for, but then he never really gets a chance to be that cool guy. You know what uh, I mean? Like and he, also you're not sure why he isn't the liaison to Hellboy. Cause Hellboy likes him. He doesn't seem to be quitting. 
Yeah, he's still there. Just seems like they're just demoting him for some reason. And this guy, uh, Myers, like, first of all, I feel that it's, you know, if you're going to meet somebody and they have like a, like they get annoyed when people stare at something, you tell the person before they're in the room with them. You don't wait till they're like a foot away and be like, don't stare. Like, I was <laughs> yeah. just like, wow, Clay, that was information he could have used a few minutes ago. Especially when he's meeting a demon. Maybe bring that up. Yeah, or just, just yeah, get like, it in there. Just prep him a couple seconds before you <laughs> walk in. Like, hey, you know Hellboy? He's real. He's inside this room, and we're bringing him for some reason. This was like another odd thing that they added that I just was like, I don't get it. I guess it was supposed to be like funny maybe, but they're bringing him like 50 pounds worth of pancakes. And I'm like, I, but he's not that much bigger than a person. In fact, he's the exact size of one person, Ron Perlman. So I'm like, he's not that big. I, that was just like one of those things too where watching it, I was just like, I don't get it. Like, what's the? I guess maybe there was just a weird food through line that Del Toro wanted to investigate. He was like, "What do these people eat?" You never bring it up in the comics. I wonder if you went through if you could find a through line like that, uh, because it's always like directors have those weird things they always interject in their movies. Like uh, uh, Quentin Tarantino's always getting feet into his films. And yeah, yeah. Maybe I should maybe I should try to see if there's a shot of Liz eating something. Yeah, let's chase that down. Well, she does have a bagel or something. Uh, I don't remember exactly what it is. But I also have to talk about this scene because it does something that I find incredibly frustrating, which is, um, look, look, soundtrack guy. Um, I, I need to talk to you. Um, the Hellboy soundtrack guy. If you're listening, I have to talk to you. Um, I have two criticisms of your general job. Um, is, first, one, is one of them the end song credit? The, well, the first thing is all song credits. Um, they're all bad. <laughs> They're all bad. The score is like, is like intrusively orchestral at at points. It's really abrasive in a lot of locations, and I usually don't notice the music in films. I usually come out of a movie and someone's like, "Oh, the camp that had that one song or that one scene." And I was like, "Oh, oh, did they? I, I didn't hear it." That's me. I, I, I'm 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 blind to that. Like color audio blind to songs in movies. So when they stand out to me, you know you fucked up. And these all did. At one point, fucking Palo Alto's Breathe In plays. And I wanted to turn my TV over and, and does it really across I the room. It does. It does. I, I it's did right. not notice that. It's not like an important... I, can't, I should have written down where, but it was not like an important movie. But fucking Palo Alto's Breathe In plays. But I'm bringing it up now because the song playing as the Reach Hellboy's like, room or whatever is... Um, is uh, Nick Cave uh, and well, whatever uh, performing? The yeah, the Bad Seeds performing "Red Right Hand." <sighs> I got what? it. He's got a red. I got it. I what, got it, guys. What's crazy, You're not clever. What's crazy about that is, like, I'm fine with them using that song because I'm like, yeah, I get it. But <laughs> when you play a song in a movie that has a line that like fits the scene, the song usually play like they cut the song, so it's not the way it normally is usually, and it gets to that part. They play like. A minute and a half of that song before oh, it the finally whole says sequence "Red Right Hand." I was like, "Red Right Hand." Yeah, over and over. It happened, I was like, "Wow, I did not remember this song taking this long to get to the titular line." It's clawingly appropriate, and I hate it. Uh, same thing in Iron Man when they play Iron Man. I'm like, "Yeah, uh huh, nice job." In that scene before he leaves, they also get the second product placement for Baby Ruth because Baby Ruth was like, "Look." Nobody puts baby in the corner. You got to use us twice. <laughs> Nobody puts. He does. He seems annoyed with Myers, which he should, because Myers comes off as just a d bag in this scene. He's not likable, and they sound the alarm, and they go to the museum. 
we find out that the Vatican hid something inside this statue. It's a reliquary. It it was listed in this list of uh, demons that the Vatican put out. But then they just, I guess, gave the statue to a museum and just hope things went all right. Like, yeah, one of those Vatican demon lists. Yeah, yeah. Which, they, they, no, they there was that. one in the Middle Ages. The thing they referenced, I think, is actually a real document. Oh, the Vatican, I Vatican was real crazy during the Middle Ages. That's what makes we wouldn't have Hellboy if it wasn't for all the craziness of Christianity. So we find out that there's this hell demon inside, and Hellboy goes in, and uh, his accent really shows up in this scene where they open up a thing, and he pulls out these special bullets he made, which are just full of, like, garlic, silver shavings, uh, clove, holy water, and what does he say they are? A cocktail or something? No, he's like, the wicks, or something. Like, he says wicks, yeah. like, really weird. Yeah, just he, like... we, yeah, we were trying to imitate it before we got on the podcast, but yeah, it's some, like, Brooklyn-y uh, uh, works, like, like just, like, deep dip on the U, kind of, yeah. Yeah, exactly, it is very, uh, just, oh. it, It's such a strange accent choice that I don't think my, um, my, my human mouth can repeat it. Which I I'm not even sure it's an accent. That may yeah. just be Ron Perlman's voice. Yeah. That the accent there is Ron Perlman. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, it he's his own his own accent. Yeah, he, there's, there's a uh, there's a Ron Perlman option on the Rosetta Stone website when you choose <laughs> a language to learn. Now he goes inside and he fights this this hell beast, which he shoots once in the hip, and it's just like it's dead, and then walks off. Which I'm like, I probably would have shot it a couple more times. But you you are after all the uh, occult investigator, <laughs> like. They kind of steal away from some of his... Like, he's he's a bit bumbling in the comics in some sense, um, but not bumbling as much as he gets like knocked around is a more accurate... Yeah, he's not always the most cautious person. Like He would yeah. do that. He would walk in and be like, all right, I'm going to get in a fight without really knowing what I'm doing. But he wouldn't just be like, well, I'm sure everything's okay, and just it's turn a, around. It's a, yeah, it's a fine line to be like, you know, bullheaded and stupid. And it, I think they, they dance over to the stupid side too much, where he just like falls off stuff and he doesn't jump far enough and he can't seem to fight something very well and he just barely makes it out of it because he's just like tough as nails like it's not as fun as him being like clever you know what i mean so he eventually kills this thing but it turns out it's not dead because it's the hound of resurrection which i feel like when abe was reading those names he should have led with that one this is another film where they bury the lead you know They did also, it in Spider-Man with that glider. Now this time, the Hound of Resurrection, <laughs> that should really be the first name. That is primary uh, feature of that fucking creature. Um, but uh, this is another moment where where I'm also kind of frustrated because, I, I, like I said, I did read the comic. And clearly, the monster is supposed to sort of be like a, a new version of the like toad creatures that occupy much of the Seed of Destruction comic. Where they've got... Yeah, and they're and they're very like terrifying. Like when one of them gets like its tongue on Hellboy in the comic, he almost like blacks out from the pain, and that's really scary. Like he has, suddenly there's like a really big threat at play. These things are um, men in rubber suits, a, a bad rubber suit. I, I thought the head was all right. I I appreciated the practical effect, but. I think the, the 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 character design is cool. It's vaguely Lovecraft. I, I dig it a ton, but it really stuck out to me really poorly when he's fighting it in the uh, um, in the subway later on. Oh uh, yeah, we yeah. 
it's just, it's like floppy rubber appendages just being like whacked around. It's really oh, yeah. embarrassing. That, that was a tough sequence to sit through. I was like, oh boy. And this it's better here because I think they put way more effort into like the CGI and the hissing and like the 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 the, 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 the animal way it runs around. That was way cooler than what they did with it later, where it starts to walk around like a person for some reason. Yeah, it's there's a lot of curious things that happen with those. Uh, the monster runs away. And Hellboy goes to chase after it. He jumps out of a window and just falls into a dumpster. Uh, Meyer shows up in what I assume was supposed to be sort of his save the cat moment of like coming to be like he's the only one who comes to try to help Hellboy and is not particularly good at it. But uh, there's a scene when Hellboy first lands in the alley and Rasputin's there. And, and here's the fucking odd thing is when that scene comes up i'm confused i'm like why is rasputin here how is he correlated to this i guess this is foreshadowing but then they foreshadow it later by showing you what happened before hellboy got there why 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 rearrange that like that scene would have made more sense if we had seen rasputin release the monster in the first place which is what happened Later, like it's it's a confusing way to run this movie, and it, and it continues to happen in this movie. But they re- rearrange stuff like that in bizarre ways. Yeah, yeah, and there's a lot of weird things. Like I don't understand why Rasputin doesn't have eyes anymore. I didn't understand like what purpose that served in the movie. It's yeah, never especially up. especially because the cool thing about that would be to hint at what happened to his eyes. That's creepy and fun, and they don't do that either. You know mm. what I mean? And then they give him. Glass eyes, which immediately work like real eyes, which are not how glass eyes work. They yeah. don't move. Also, They're again, glass eyes. And this is the point that you were bringing up earlier. They don't. That 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 point doesn't do anything. Yeah, it's it's not from the comics. You added it for what reason? There's <laughs> well, just that's what's like, it doing? Yeah. It just feels like there's tons of stuff, which is shocking with how long this movie is. It feels like there's a lot of stuff that had to be cut out. They yeah, tied up you, all these loose ends that just served no purpose whatsoever for the you, film. You left in Rasputin putting on his glass eyes? Why? Yeah. That Why whole scene, you do that? take it out. It's, yeah. it's like a two-minute scene. It does not need <laughs> yeah. to be there. It's no one's favorite scene. You're not going to find it on YouTube because someone loved it so much they cut it out and put it on the internet. Yeah, exactly. So anyways, uh, they chase after the monster and they run out. There's some sort of Halloween Mardi Gras thing going on. I don't exactly know what. And then they yeah, run across. Yeah, ha- it's Halloween Mardi Gras. It's in the Bronx every year. I go, I, go, I go like every year. Do you? Yeah, it's great. It's a long trek from Chicago to get to the Bronx. Yeah, a little bit. Oh, I, by the way, I am from Chicago, if that was not clear. Oh, do you mean the Bronx in Chicago? Never mind, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Is it just me, or does this street seem like it existed some alternate reality where, like, it's super... It's like a highway in the middle of a road. Like, everybody's driving, like, 80. It's insane. And no one's slowing down for the fucking demon in the middle of the road. They're speeding up. Yeah. In fact, somebody hits an FBI agent and keeps going. Yeah. It just, just keeps like, going. Like, to their knowledge, they're like, ooh, I just committed vehicular manslaughter, but I really gotta get home. And not only is this a city street, it's a city street in the middle of a festival. And that, that that's like two reasons to not ever be able to go that fast. There is literally <laughs> a, uh, a merry-go-round like two and a half feet from this road where people are going about 70 miles per hour. Yeah. Whoever planned this festival also <laughs> should lose their job. That Do doctor, you want to put it by that highway? This guy. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of people should be fired. Also, like, two feet away from, like, this festival, there's people unloading, like, fish to, like, a market or something. Like, what? Yes, it, it's it's the most – that is directly behind 
Yeah. The Natural History Museum in New York, I guess? <laughs> yeah. yeah, this is what the being in the city's like. <laughs> it is a real interesting block right there. It's right next to the Autobahn in Germany. Uh, so <laughs> Hel- the Fish District. Yes, exactly. Uh, Hellboy fights Samael, who, I looking at the IMDb, had an actor playing it, which is surprising. Yeah. Was he in the suit for like the scenes where he was badly wandering, wobbling around in a rubber suit? I guess so. Oddly, he gets billed pretty high up in, on IMDb. Uh huh. He ends up killing it by electrocuting it by grabbing the third rail in the subway. Yeah, because he's immune to fire, which is also electricity. <clears throat> Never mind. Keep, yeah, keep I, the there's a lot of. Shh. He's immune to fire, but Shh. earlier his horns get really hot from friction, and he touches it. them and goes out. Yeah. So he's apparently not all the way immune to fire. Um, he then turns off his locator and goes to see Liz. Uh, Liz Sherman from the comics. Uh, later on, she does leave the BPRD in the series, but at the, the, the comic that they're mirroring is is Seed of Destruction. And she, is a, she plays a, a big role in the comic. But for some reason in this, she's in a mental hospital, and she's trying to learn how to control her power. Uh, there's the the product placement for Coors or whatever beer it is that Hellboy steals. Then they're talking, and this was something that was I, I again another scene where I was just like, wow, this is really weird. Liz says she's learning to control her powers and shows that she can light her hand on fire, and then she can stop it. But then later, when she needs to use her powers, she has to make Myers punch her. Yeah, she needs to be slapped for it to actually function. It's Super confusing. Did not um, like that either because I was like, all right, it kind of like the only reason she's a badass in that scene is because some guy slaps her. Like she should have just been like, I'm going to take care of this. Like I just didn't like that. I thought it was like a weird twist. And again, a scene that it's like if Myers wasn't there, I feel like the scene would have just been her doing it. So like his yeah. character necessitated bullshit. Uh, we cut and, back to – oh, go ahead. And she's just capable of being such an interesting character. But instead she just seems really like – I don't know where I belong. I don't. I don't know. Hellboy likes me. I don't understand. I'm, I don't know. If, should I go? I'll go. No, I'll stay. Like she's just like so obnoxious as like a character in this series. Uh, but she's a fucking awesome character from the comics. So again, it's another point where I'm like, why? Like I, I get you wanted to. I get as a director, you open up his character. You open up his book. You see this character who killed their all their family and 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 innocent civilians because their power rages without their control. Sometimes that's interesting. I could see you being like, "Oh, that's a theme I can chase down," but like, chase it and then and then and then but get again, it somewhere. You know, does, does he chase it? No, not really. That's true. It's just mentioned in the beginning, and then she sort of if she had been with the BTRD the entire time, would not have changed the film really. It's <laughs> a good point. You could have just introduced her with uh, with Hellboy and, uh, and 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 Abe, and just uh, cut a good thirty minutes out of your again, film. yeah, another cut that would have been spectacular. Right. Um, we cut back to the museum where Abe is doing his psychic thing and he shows Professor Broom what happened. Again, this is a scene where I'm like, the museum would have just had cameras. They could have just watched him. There's no reason to have Abe do that. Like, it, it's, the psychic thing does not pay off. Like, if you were like, this is why he needs to be able to show him what happened, you're like, well, he doesn't because they could just watch a security camera. Also, it's not a big secret. Like, to us, the yeah. audience, we know Rasputin's out there and we know... Cronin, Cronin bots out there. We know all this. Like, yeah, and you don't. Then, you could have just showed us that before, 
Because the movie does plenty to cut away from the main characters and show you what the villains are up to. They do that all the fucking time. Including that weird sequence in the beginning where they're in like the Arctic and like their guide somehow doesn't know he's leading a robot and a Russian woman to the middle she's of like German. the Arctic Circle. She's German, German woman. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever it may be. Uh, anyway, uh, we cut away to these villains all the time. So why... Uh, it's, it's pointless. It's, it's as if you're revealing a secret that's not a secret. Yeah, and then when you watch it the whole time, you're like, why did the two of them need to be there? Rasputin's, like, apparently not corporal. He can just appear and disappear wherever he wants, so why didn't he just appear and raise the thing from the dead on his own? Yeah. It, uh, and yeah. also, I, I feel like um, the lady who played Eliza Hapstein, who is credited as Biddy... Hodson on IMDb, which seems like an odd choice. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I feel like she saw the dailies from the beginning of this movie and was like, you thought young broom overacted. Wait till I show up. Cause she is not good. She's yeah. like, the whole, like so yeah. the point is there's a line in my notes that just says, Holy shit. This Nazi lady is really terrible. I guess <laughs> all I said. And I couldn't, I was like, I don't know why I wrote that. And then I realized, you say that about every movie we watch. Yeah. I'm just, I hate Nazi women. <laughs> Uh, get that on the poster but this scene also uh has a moment that i was like so confused by so he's he has cronin slice the statue open which is like a weird way to activate the demon or whatever but um he pulls out that like jar of angel tears yep angel tears well i I, i'm not quite sure how you collect tears from angels or how it's not angels cries you're not listening it's the salt from the tears of a thousand uh, angels. So try uh, to pay attention. They caught it and then dried it out to just the salt. Yeah, is that, is just, it like, a, is it like a trade skill that you can learn? Is that... I don't know, but those were some big-ass grains of salt. So these angels must be huge. A, a thousand of the... Anyway, getting past all of that, it, he, he, he makes it seem as if the angel tear things are there to, like, entomb whatever piece of the Samael is in there which I thought was a cool concept like yes. oh he he's yes. so evil that you encase it in the tears of angels and he can never come out like that's fucking neat but then he becomes he sort of he, he forms out of the tears so I'm like yeah. wait is he made of them like it I'm was, so confused now it was very odd I expected like when he first poured him out I was like, is he just gonna like pull out some water and just like pour it on there and be like, no longer <laughs> yeah. salt? And just be like, <laughs> Freeze dried like demon avatar. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, he just searches it out and he finds like, a little <laughs> sponge that looks like Samael and just pours some water on it and he expands. I, I, yeah, I was annoyed when it just it became like what he. I I like I like the idea way more when it was like you know evil proof packing peanuts. I thought that was a much cooler concept than than what it than, ended up being. Than what it ended up being becoming. Yeah. So after this, um, we cut back to Hellboy is still talking to Liz. She says she wants to go because she's getting help here. Uh, She leaves. Meyer shows up, and Hellboy blacks out all of a sudden. They rush him away. Turns out that Samael laid eggs in his arm, which is super gross. Uh, Also not how he works in, like, any other moment of the film. Like, he doesn't lay eggs in people. There's a lot of curious things that happen anyway, only in this one scene. Move on. <laughs> uh, we'll just skip ahead. They they decide that the, the you know Rasputin is back and he is orchestrating through his clever machinations all of these things. We cut back to the the mental ward or whatever you want to call it, and 
there is an orderly who's walking down a hallway with a flashlight, stops, opens up a patient's door, walks in, and then shines a flashlight in her eyes, looks around, and then walks out. What the fuck is that guy doing? Hey, you still crazy in here? You still crazy? Hey, 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 you crazy? Okay, all right. I feel like all a right. lot of Good these night. people are just, suffer- <laughs> are just suffering from sleep deprivation because this <laughs> jackass keeps waking them up. Yeah, what is his, what, what, who, who told him to do that? Like, what, what supervisor was like, hey, could you just uh, walk through the female ward and just pop doors open and, and startle awake patients? I had forgotten that happened. So, like, as I'm watching this, I'm sitting there and all of a sudden he walks in. I was like, oh, God, is, is this, like, something really terrible going to happen that I don't remember? Like, I'm like, is this guy going to, like, assault her? And again, I, we know that she's in a, like, asylum. I don't need the scene. I don't need it. Like, like I got it. She's there. She's sleeping. I don't need any more setup that Liz is here in the bed and she's asleep. I don't need a guy to come in and be like, see, there she is. Yeah. Right there. Are you, and I mean, like, he, like, not only does he shine it around the room, which is weird, but then he, like, pegs her right in the eyes. Yeah. Like, Why would you such do a, that? Such a dick. He's he's the brother of that guy from the, uh, the Terminator franchise who comes in and just, like, licks... Yeah. Sarah Connor's well, face. At first, I was like, "Oh God, are we going to get a scene like that?" Because I don't want to <laughs> see that. That scene unsettles me to this day. It's it's very unpleasant. I feel like this is yet another guy in this movie who should lose his job. Like we've, we're up to the doctor, the guy who planned that festival, and now this orderly. <laughs> but uh, Rasputin touches Liz's head and tells her to dream of fire, in which she has a dream of uh, what happens and. I really feel like uh, she's not really the villain. Like, it's not her fault because she lives with a bunch of sociopaths. These children try to stone her to death. Like, they hit her in the head with the rock and she's bleeding. And when they cut back to them, they're picking up more rocks to throw at her. Well, Hollywood likes to do this a lot where they take a character who has a kind of a dark backstory and they try to uh, soften it. You know what I mean? Like, so they're like, okay, yeah, she killed a bunch of people by accident. But they were real assholes. Like they were, they were real fuckers. Like they just they want you to be like, yeah, okay, I get it. Even though you know, because they think you won't be able to grapple with the idea that she just killed people outright accidentally. So they try to make it like, yeah, like justifiable kind of, which is kind of sick. It's kind of weird. They also don't touch on who dies there. They act like everyone's fine, kind of. No, they you know what I mean? they say. We just have a few injured people. I'm like, that building exploded. You showed yeah. the front of it. The little awning, port call, whatever thing collapses from the explosion. I'm like, definitely. F- people fire right came there. out of ev- every single window. Yeah. Every single window. You cannot be inside of fire and be like, whew, we really got out of that one, guys. Thank God the, we ducked. The only way all the patients were okay after that is if they all had. Uh, orchestrated a meeting out, out, uh, outside to talk about the asshole guard who keeps shining lights in their faces when they're sleeping. Well, and what, they want to, <laughs> that's what, the only reason they would survive. What happened was actually the Indian chief who was there had, <laughs> he had smothered all the other patients and had run out. Uh, so it worked out really in the long run. Uh, so they, it's decided that uh, after this, they're talking about it. Liz needs to come home, blah, blah, blah. Uh, Myers is going to try to talk her into coming back to the BPRD. They decide that they need to go back to the sewers or the subway and find to see if there's any eggs that were laid by the hellhound. So they send Hellboy. Makes sense. Abe. Yep. Makes sense. And three agents in men in black costumes, two of which have nine millimeter pistols. And one of which has, I think a flamethrower. Yeah, and they also seem like they're besides um, what's his name? Is it Clay? 
besides Clay, uh, the other two appear to be on their first day of the job. And then the two two of the BPRD agents are like in a room underneath the sub. Like it's even with the subway, and it's just like full of old typewriters. Did you notice that? Yeah, I don't. It's it's confusing what people think is in these like desolate areas of cities. Like it's all full of like something romantic, like typewriters, and not just horrible shit and yeah. like, and corpses. But they also find uh, Cronin is down there. Yeah, he's got like a headquarters, which is he just settings up everywhere. He just has like a boiler going, and I'm like, what is that a boiler to? Like he just has this mammoth furnace behind him. I'm like. What is that attached to? Like, three times they find him in this movie, and it appears in every time they're in his headquarters, no matter where they are. Like, he just seems to have these, like, shitty, like, little... Like, is he is he traveling with, like, fucking ten suitcases, like, full of, like, old record players and shit? Like, and if you notice, in, when they go into the, the tomb at the end of the movie, and they, they're going through all the stuff, they, they cut to him, and he has, like, another furnace behind him. I'm like, does <laughs> Did this guy only hang out in furnaces? Yes. Furnaces taped uh, uh, two typewriters and a giant record player. It's his luggage every time. Uh, also, I'm not a fan of the way they did Cronin in this movie. Did not really? like him. Yeah, did not like the the clockwork man. Didn't like that he was full of sand. Just thought it was real dumb. Uh, uh, I don't know. I, I kind of liked it. I thought it was cool. Up until they took his mask off and they gave you that terrible... Like, if, like usually people complain about CGI or practical effects and they managed to make both look bad in one sequence so yeah the uh, sequence where uh when they first are walking around inside there and he hears them his eyes are cgi to make it look like he has no eyelids and they look like they are not attached to his body like it looks yeah, like it's done hovering like a snapchat filter or something it's, it's like yeah it, it, exactly like that yeah, i really hated it it's a real bummer yeah. um so it turns out that the hellhounds are there they uh they try to attack abe um Hellboy chases after Cronin and loses him. For some reason, Clay goes after him, even though Hellboy says earlier in the movie nobody ever comes with him when he goes anywhere. That's the whole point. But this time, I guess they do. Now, Clay's there playing up some comedy relief about his hair plugs. Then Hellboy runs into one of the Samuels, and they get into a fight in this boiler room, which also is right next to like an elevator shaft. And they fall down this shaft a good, like, what would you say, like 200, 300 feet? Yeah. And they fall into a subway platform, but the place they were at before was even with the subway. So it's like, it's like this movie's like, yeah, there's a subway, and then there's a lower subway. Yeah, the sub-subway. Yeah, we yeah. have those. It's for, it's for the underground people, didn't you yeah, know? The, yeah, like, so if you're a city dweller who's been here, been in a city for long enough, you know where the sub-subways are. Yeah, they're the better ones. Yeah, there, there's yeah. more rats. Uh, <laughs> We've got triple hobos who are peeing everywhere, oh, so it's great. so good. Yeah. Payphones. It's, yeah. Oh, yeah. Payphones still around. Uh, um, go ahead. But staying chronologically, we, we're, we're, we're with that scene in the subway where he's fighting uh, Samael, and I, 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 almost, I think I stopped watching for a little bit here. I took a break after this scene. This is, like, the most boring fight scene, and it's supposed to be fucking cool. It's this fucking demonic creature from beyond the veil. It's terrifying. It's it's the void made manifest. It's ready to fight. And it's it's literally a dude in a, ma- a rubber mascot costume. Like, if you got a guy in a shitty practical effects costume, then, like, use interesting cuts. But they have these, like, wide shots where he's literally got his, like, some sort of, like, longish talon arm thing, and he's wobbling it and it's the most rubbery 
foam plastic piece of shit you've ever seen. Yeah, when he swings at Hellboy's head and hits that uh, pillar, it's yeah. like when it's coming at him, I'm just like, well, that's not going to hurt. Just let it hit you. It's clearly yeah. foam. <laughs> like, yeah. And Hellboy doesn't land any cool hits, and this thing just kind of snarls and squeaks and flops around in like a rubber suit. It's super disappointing. Yeah, it's I mean, mostly like, like really bad wire throwing. Like, yeah, just it'll throwing hit everywhere. The, it'll hit Hellboy, and he'll fly like parallel to the ground, and then hit a wall. It's like he doesn't. Yeah. It's not natural. It's just like he's being shot from a gun, and like his his trajectory. It's really weird. And then he's thrown into an upper deck uh, where everyone scatters, and someone yells, "My kittens." Yeah, which and then a perfectly safe until he picks them up. Yeah, perfectly fine. Because just... this is the Samael that does not do any collateral damage. He never attacks one person standing there. Doesn't no, even he, knock he... them out of the way. Doesn't... Yeah, he pushes through the crowd at some point. Like, Excuse me, I was <laughs> fighting Hellboy. Like he just yeah, like... <laughs> and the crowd is almost just like, hey, buddy, why? Like, oh, like, sorry. People aren't just like screaming and fleeing out of this subway. They're like, well, let's just hang out. It's the sub subway. This sort of crazy yeah. stuff happens. <laughs> yeah, all the yeah, this, this happens all the time in the sub subway. Now, after this, uh, the monsters show up. The guy has the world's slowest flamethrower. It has to be charged. That's not how flamethrowers work. Uh, he dies. The other guy can't let go of a typewriter quick enough to pull his gun because he's just so enamored with it. He dies. Uh, Cronin comes up and kills Clay, and it's supposed to be emotional, but you're just sort of like, eh. Yeah, because he does that movie thing where he stands in place while a man with a knife walks at him slowly. And he, for some reason, forgets how to load a pistol, which is not super complicated. And that's, like, an acceptable reaction for, like, a police officer who would just see a guy and assume it's a guy like yeah, everyone yeah, would after you just shot somebody eight times and you'd be like oh my god he's not he's not falling but um yeah a member of the bprd who's probably seen any number of untold strange horrors would probably be like oh after like two shots be like oh this is that this is a dude that's not gonna die from a bullet i should go back to my team or yeah have i should a run plan, and see if i can get away do something like he just like a, he feels like he's just like a clock pusher like that's the thing that they're trying to do the Agent Paulson thing or Coulson thing, and they don't do it because Agent Coulson's fucking cool and clever. Like yeah. they don't pull it off. He's just like, uh, my gun didn't work. I've got nothing else. Well, like, and then Cronin like stabs him, like he's in fucking prison. Like he just walks yeah, up and like grabs. That's him. a prison shank move. It <laughs> yeah, is. Yeah, I'm like, whoa, this guy's been watching like, Orange and you said that black or something. And you said that he died, but actually later they reference him just being uh, injured. He's probably not going to live through the night, Ben. They all say he's going to be fine, and I'm like, no, they don't. They do. They they make it clear that he's going to be okay. No, do and they wait because uh, when he goes back and Abe is in the upside down tank for some reason, I don't know why being upside down would make him heal faster. Uh, <laughs> Tambor goes from being like sort of like a lovable goof to being like, you fucking got everybody killed, Hellboy. No, he calls it out, like, you got the, the agents killed, um, but he, he says that, like, what's-his-name's probably not going to come back. No, he says like, he's probably not going to live through the night. Hmm, I could be getting this wrong, but I, I do remember sure him su- suggesting that he's not going to, like, come back. But I like that idea to me, is that, is that they wanted to be, he's going to be alright, he's just not going to be in the film yeah. <laughs> anymore. He got called to another movie, it's it's fine, we don't want to go yeah. into it, there was some scheduling. Um. So Liz comes back as Hellboy threatens Tambor because he's mad at him. And she walks off, you know, being like, oh, Hellboy is just the same. And they all walk off and it's supposed to be a comedy beat. Again, pointless scene. Goes nowhere. Does nothing for the move. Hellboy's coming up that he wants to tell Liz that he loves her. 
she shows up and her immediate reaction to the fact that he has TVs playing pictures of her isn't like, what the fuck? She's just like, oh, look, your cat had kittens. She's going to go out for coffee with Myers and they're bringing Hellboy again, like 30 pounds worth of chili. And I'm like, I don't get it. Is it supposed to be funny? Like, why is that in the movie? I just don't get it. (laughs) Where Hellboy sleeps. What do you mean? In, in, they, they, at this scene, when they pan into the room, they show you his bed in the background for a moment. Did you see what it was? No, what was it? It was a truck. No, is it really? It, it's it, go back. It's an old vintage, like like nineteen sixties farmer's like truck with a mattress in the bed. I just I don't. And, and I can't tell if that's like implying that he's such a giant dude, which again, he's just Ron Perlman size. Yeah, he's not that much bigger than <laughs> he's Lord not that much movie. bigger than anyone else. You did not enlarge in, in, in Ron Perlman. Um, Even if you like, you're like, oh, he's they make him look a little bigger. I'm like, he's still not bigger than Shaquille O'Neal. No, like, no, yeah, right. And Shaquille O'Neal sleeps in a fucking bed and doesn't eat ten bowls of chili. But, um, but yeah, I don't know if that was like their version of like having like a race car bed. Like, I don't know what they think that's supposed to be. I wish it had been a race car bed instead. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get a, uh, I'm gonna get a screen cap of that and, and post it on the on the Facebook because it's fucking amazing. I, his room in general is amazing. He's got like nine TVs playing cartoons. A bunch of them are videos of just Liz, which is fucking weird. Yes. And then he's got like love notes all over the floor, which is like, I got it, buddy. And it looks like a lot of his love notes are like, "Dear Liz, do you like me? Check yes or no." <laughs> yeah, that is the Hellboy sort of. Uh, level of intelligence in this film unfortunately yeah it's that whole scene and i was too like i was too apparently being annoyed by the fact they were bringing him chili i was just like god damn it (laughs) what is with all this food uh so we get this sort of weird like love triangle where hellboy escapes to spy on myers and liz on their like not really a date date and she like takes a picture of like some bikes chained up which seemed like a weird choice and again i don't like if they're going to be like, she likes to take pictures, why is she taking them with a Polaroid camera? Like, they, they're they horrible cameras. Like, they're not known for quality photos. Also, again, a, she abandons the, this angle of being, a, like, a amusing photographer instantly. And, again, the rest of the film, it never resurfaces. It's like they just attached a second movie to the end of the first part of this incomplete one. It's really odd. Yeah, it, this whole scene, I assume the only purpose of this scene is to be like, that's how... Uh, Rasputin and Cronin can kill Broom because no one's there. But I'm like, no one's no one's any good at their job at this place, so they could have done it anyways. Like, it, in half the scenes, no one's around. Not to mention, what was the goddamn conceit of having Cronenbot kill himself? Uh, is it, also, it's it's Cronenobot or something no, like that? No, it's just but... Cronin. That's just his name. You're just adding the word bot for some reason. <laughs> I'm not. That's what it's in, the, like, the fucking film. It's like, it's like, uh, uh, somewhere I read it as Cronenbot. I may have, I may have, like, I may have acclaimed that from somewhere. Have you just not been correcting me? I'm gonna stick with it. I like Cronenbach. I thought you were doing it as a joke because he's like a robot, so I was just letting it ride. No, I thought that was like a. a... <laughs> no, I genuinely was confused about what his name was. This is a great I, I, I think realization. <laughs> I think I pulled up his Wikipedia and saw saw that somewhere. <laughs> Do you not think so? <laughs> No, I don't know where it came from. I'm looking now. I have no idea where I pulled that up. Yeah, so Cronenbot. Um, <laughs> oh, 
I'm glad we made it this far before you were like, his name, right? Cronenbot um, uh, kills himself so that he can be taken dead to the BPOD headquarters and then revived. Um, but he just revives himself based on... Again, nothing. Um, I think they kind of try to hint that Rasputin may have... Kept him alive, I guess, yeah, but... Brought him back or something. But, uh, fucking why? You're Rasputin. You apparently can just appear in the center of the room, and you've got magic, and you're, like, be like ascended beyond human, you know, function. Like, what do you need the fucking robot dude to stab for you? It's an old man! You don't need a whole plan. You can show up in his room. Just kill him. You could do that with Hellboy with it being there. Well, what's crazy, too, is... Like, he's supposed to be, like, this all-knowing guy. It's like, he, Broom's gonna die in, like, three weeks. He has cancer in every organ. He is not gonna live. You are killing a man for no real reason, because he's like, that's the only way we could get you to f- go to this place. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure if Cronin had just kept that piece of paper in his pocket, they would have gone to whatever the name of that place is they yeah. keep saying, which sounds to me like they're just saying, like, Carl's Jr. Platt 12 or something. They're investigators. This is their fucking job. They're going to do it no matter what. Speaking of they're investigating, uh, Hellboy's watching uh, Liz and what's his name. A car pulls up and she starts crying. He's like, something's wrong. They cut back and they've set up like CSI, like, you know, those little tags with numbers on them. And there's a guy taking photos. I'm like, what what are you doing? You're you're collecting evidence? You're not going to report this death. Second of all, you, you know who killed him. The guy's body's gone. Like they're like, "Yep, yep, this is his rosary. Here's where he yep. fell over." I'm like, "I don't. Yeah. This is the only time you guys do any research, and it's for the murder that you know what happened." Also, what kind of research do you do when a ethereal being and a corpse kill a man? Like, what's your? <laughs> How did what's his name get out of the building too? How did Cronin get out? Did you just go up the elevator and that guy was like, he, "Have a good day, di- sir." Like that. He died again, and they took a, they, they took him out. They took him to the morgue this time. <laughs> That's his only like tactic, apparently. Yeah, they took him to the morgue this time. Now, this is sort of the sequence in the film where I'm not going to lie, my notes get real scanned because it's, I think like this, like the last what would you say, like the last thirty minutes is like a um, a set piece. Like they get to that Russian place, and then it's just. Like the whole plane scene when they're flying to Russia, and he's they're talking to uh, Tambor. Doesn't it feel like there was something was supposed to happen, and they were just like, "We got to cut this out. This scene's not important," because it just feels like they're like, "He's like, there's these grenades are on it. You pull it once, and it blows up." And then the scene just ends, and I was like, "Oh, they're not going to talk about anything else on the plane ride. All the other bullshit they threw in here, and that scene seems just to be cut really short." Yeah, and then they have the whole sequence where he obtains a corpse to guide him. For, like, a turn. Like, he points him to, like, once somewhere to go and then falls off a cliff. Yeah, I I understand why they did that because there was, uh, I think the story came out while they were making the movie or shortly before. There's a story called, like, Hellboy and the something. It might just be called the Chained Corpse, I think. And the story is Hellboy has to take this corpse around. He has to find a church that will let him bury the corpse there. So that he can get mm. something. It's a good. It's a great little short comic. So you must have loved this interpretation of it. Could when they when they first. I remember when they showed the shots of this. I was like, oh, that's cool. They somehow worked that story, and I was like, that'd be cool if the movie just has like a scene of him 
doing that thing because he, he does it so that he can get the, these goblins to do something. I think if I remember, I haven't read that story in a while. This is a really, really bad practical effect. I mean, it's 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 like it's Muppet worthy bad. Yes, it, it's and it's pointless. Again, it's another scene yeah. where it adds three to four minutes for no reason. Yeah, it's it's he doesn't do anything fun besides like give a couple funny looks at people. And people go, ew, corpse. And then he like just gets thrown off a bridge. And and again, yeah, it doesn't it doesn't deliver us anywhere. Yeah. Uh, and they get down into this tomb. And now this tomb, I gotta talk about this. They go underneath of this Russian cemetery. And un- into the Indiana Jones uh, uh, cut sequence from like three different movies. Yeah, it's like an M.C. Escher drawing down there. There's like just bridges and stairways connected to nothing. And it when they set off this trap, which can only be described as the world's slowest and least effective trap, it like starts making noise like 40 seconds before this hammer comes off and knocks part of the bridge off. Yeah. And when they're falling, it looks like they fall like off of a, like a skyscraper. Like they are falling thousands of feet. So I'm like, yo, yeah. Where is it underneath of this graveyard is like the world's largest chasm. Like it's just so, it makes no sense. It's not explained how why it's there. There's just it, it just no part of it makes any sense, and I don't know why it's there. I don't know why it, that it, scene is in the movie. It is weird because the characters in Hellboy have a lot of reverence for like the mystical. Like they really like they're curious, they're investigative. Like like sometimes it feels like in some of the books, Hellboy and Abe feel like a, a, sort of a Sherlock Holmes Watson, like who also shoot guns, sort of like combo. They're like investigating like the the mystical, and they're they're sometimes bashing their way through these like you know insane like demonic things, and so for them to just be like almost annoyed that they're in this place was just very odd. Like I expected Hellboy to have like some measure of like you know interest in it, but he's just like upset that he's there. Yeah, it this whole thing to me, this whole set piece is just like a real non-starter for me. I'm just like I don't understand why it's in the movie. The film at this point is already too long, and it's this is all built off of the most boring part of the movie, which is the little love romance scene, which is a good like ten minutes of the movie. And so you've just sat through ten minutes of really boring film to get to a climax that you're like, I don't understand what's going on. I don't know why this building's here. I don't understand anything. Um, also, in this scene when they're crossing that bridge. Uh, the 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 hammer comes down and like knocks what was actually seemed like a pretty uh, I don't know why they did this but they 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 show you this sort of red shirt guy right yes uh, he he's carrying the corpse and the corpse and him keep exchanging looks which I which made me like him I'm like I kind of like this dude he's just like some dude who's like all right this is my job I'll carry the corpse and uh, listen to it or whatever and he's just like rolling with the punches on that and then. Uh, you know he doesn't—he's not established, but I, I'm kind of amused by him. And then he's really murdered hard. Like he is, not only is he like murdered, but he's basically murdered because Tambor and Hellboy are having a power struggle on the bridge, and he keeps being told by Hellboy to move, and Tambor says don't move, and so he's killed because they are fucking bickering like children. Yeah, which is not doesn't make you really like either of those characters. Up to that point, I'm supposed to sort of like both of them. Um... And then, like, Hellboy's like, oh shit, gotta get off the bridge. She grabs Tambor and throws him again, Indiana Jones style, under the closing door. 
then spends a five minute sequence dodging the hammer, then also goes under the door. Yeah, that that last door decided to close as slow as possible. So either the door was going so fast that you had to just throw him, or it wasn't. <laughs> I swear he. Throws I know that's him. minor, but if 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 you if you fudge the tension, there is no tension, and that sucks. Well, the thing that's why you know we rely on that kind of stuff. I swear that when he throws Tambor, I swear there's a shot of the door closing. That as Tambor slides in, you can see the door close behind him. It feels that way, yeah. It and does feel that way. And I was like, oh, way. he's going to have to run up and punch the door after he does the Legolas run-up thing from the last Hobbit movie. Yeah, it was awkward. And I was like, oh, this is not good. You can tell he's attached to a wire, and it is not. Yeah. So that whole scene is dumb. They walk into a hallway that's made of knives for some reason. And oh, yeah, knife hallway. Cronin, Cronenbot is at the end of this hallway. He has somehow not heard a gigantic, like semi-truck size hammer just destroy a bridge 10 feet away from him but he hears tambor cut himself and go out it's just like it, it there's like these weird comedy beats that aren't really funny and just like this whole this is just another scene that's pointless so hellboy ends up killing him by dropping a gigantic gear on him while he's been impaled on some spikes and i guess that kills him yeah it's, again, just sort of a non-starter. Then Hellboy and Tambor have this weird bonding moment where he explains to him how you're supposed to light a cigar. Also, again, a weird moment that serves no real purpose. And Yeah, and I like it individually. That's the problem with a lot of these moments. I individually like them. Like, I like this sequence where they sort of find common ground. I like a lot of the sequences that we're actually tearing apart individually. But when you when you piece them together into this film, they they have this, this, this zero payoffs for many of the moments and for many of the ideas. They they come together like awkwardly like reverse like with that scene in the museum like I mentioned earlier. Everything's like been like I don't know edited by like five people, which may not even be uh, Guillermo's fault. Just that the editing team just like went to town on this thing and made it all like choppy and awkward. Well, it, but... it definitely feels like some of these scenes are placed in the wrong order. Like I feel like the the cigar lighting scene should have been done on the airplane, and it should have been after Broom's death. Instead of Tampor still being like, I don't like Hellboy, he should have been like, Look, man, I, I'm you know like that should have been their moment to be like, I understand, you know, you just lost what was essentially your father, and you're the only person who can help us. And then just remove that whole bridge scene because it was pointless and not had them be fighting about who was in charge. But instead, you get this scene and, like, the only reason they're friends is because they just killed some guy. Like, if if that guy had run away, would they have not been friends? Like, it's just very it's, – it's sort of a weird point that goes nowhere. Now, Hellboy starts walking through the tunnel and he can hear the other BPRD members talking through the floor – it's like no one in this organization has ever heard of stealth. Like everyone carries on conversations at full volume, sometimes screaming at each other. Uh, the, the red shirt that's with Liz and Myers turns a corner and walks into a room that is full of like six Samuels and does not see them until they're all the way in the room. Like, that guy leading them must have been, like, playing Angry Birds or texting or something. I don't know what he was doing. <laughs> but he gets all the way in there, and he looks up, and he's like, oh. And then... And then and the Samael fights are always just this rubber thing flopping and, and, and screeching. It's just the worst. It's, it's never exciting or tense, you know? It really, it really bummed me out. Yeah, and, I mean, that whole scene felt tacked on just to be like, Liz kills them all, but then is immediately taken hostage 
and Hellboy's taken hostage. They're all like it's just like they almost would have been better off just trying to fight all those monsters because like they they were in a worse shape for uh, her actually winning. And then this ending just the, the ending is what really bummed me out about this entire thing. This the end of Seed of Destruction, it works, makes sense. You never exactly 100% learn the true origin of Hellboy and what's up with his gigantic hand. It's it's a much better ending. This ending, I, I don't even know how to like... Basically, they've stripped Liz, which is creepy, and he wants Hellboy to open this gate to cause the apocalypse. And everybody's going to die in this apocalypse. And he's like, if you don't do it, I'm going to kill Liz. But it's like, isn't she just going to die when the apocalypse happens? And so then he kills Liz and Hellboy's like, well, I guess I'll just kill everybody else for her. And it, it like it doesn't make any sense for his character. And then he's only re- he's only like redeemed because Myers happens to throw uh, Broom's rosary at him. Yeah, and, and this was actually one of many sequences that bother me. There's concepts in heroic arcs, in movies, in whatever, um, that you can hint at. But you can't really just say them out loud. Like, earlier, at some point, uh, uh, a Broom says to, um, to, to Myers, um, we, we, we hired you because you're pure of heart. That's not a thing anyone ever says to anyone. It's a concept. I'm not you, sure, yeah. You play to. I was going to say, I'm not sure you, how you test for that. Like, it, yeah. <laughs> at, the, at the FBI Academy, you're just like... But even if that was your point, you play to that. You demonstrate to the audience that he's pure of heart. Then it just kind of is a thing that works. Again, in this scene, Myers throws the beads and says, remember who you are. Again, you, you, you show... Not tell. You show Hellboy remembering who he is through some measure of humanity, whatever that may be. But you can't just say it. You can't just have him be like, remember, you're the the hero. You're the protagonist. Yeah, and that's like what the- bums me out is because there is a scene that happens in the comic books that's similar in which he, like, he, it's, it's later on, it's not in Seed of Destruction, but he basically is, like, he's there. He's ready to open up these gates. The legions of hell are going to come up for him to command. He's going to release the, the, the seven demons or the seven serpents. And he has the horns and they're like, you know, you can do it. And he just says, no, cause that's not who I am. And he breaks the horns off. And it's like a huge moment in the comics, but there's never a point where he's like, I don't know. I sure hope some guys near me. Like it takes away all the agency of Hellboy. He doesn't really make the decision. If Myers hadn't thrown him that thing, Hellboy would have brought about the end of the world. What happened is is they, they, they took fragments out of the other characters and used those fragments to build Myers, who's supposed to be this, yeah, you know, like a cipher for the audience. But instead they just weakened the other characters by doing it. Yeah. You take you take away uh Hellboy's ability to make intelligent decisions and to be like his own person, and you give it to Myers to tell him to do. You know, you take away Liz's agency and her ability to control her own powers, and you just give it to Myers to remind her to do. It's not necessary, and it it, it weakens everyone in the movie at the same time. Yeah, he definitely is is probably, in my opinion, one of the parts that makes this movie unenjoyable because he's he's not based on a character. He has no real function in the film other than to act again as our as our sort of way in, and he doesn't do a good job of it. Uh, 
he's just a waste of a character. And the end bums me out. So Liz is dead, and she's been dead for like three minutes. Uh, they run away, and uh, Rasputin tells them that they may not have freed the Seven, but they're releasing one of the Agruhem, or whatever they're called, I don't know how you say it, uh, that's inside of him. So they run away, and Hellboy says he's going to go back and kill it, and there's a little joke where he's like, how big could it be? And these really poorly CGI tentacles come out and grab him and drag him back. And then this final fight is just really pointless. He he pulls a sword off of a statue, which for some reason works as a real sword. The thing keeps picking him up and like dropping him and then catching him for some reason, and then eats him, and he blows it up by pulling the grenades. And then that's it. It's like this thing's supposed to like essentially be like a god. Yeah, and, it, and they kill they kill it like an enemy in Men in Black. Like it's just yeah, they kill it quicker than they killed the Hellhound. It's slapstick, yeah. And, and not to mention the fact that why is Hellboy okay from clutching grenades? He's immune to fire. Uh, mm, okay. Yeah, <laughs> um, exactly. but exactly. there's some confusing moments there, and it's, it, and it's almost like a second boss fight without yeah. the first one being that good. And then that's I mean the ending of that film is is just straight up. It's yeah. just pointless. And like the weird ending when the monster comes out and. Ilsa runs over and she's like, hell holds no surprises for us. And then they just get crushed. I was like, I don't understand. Why was I just, the ending to me is the biggest problem with this whole film. I I agree. It it reminds me of Spider-Man. Like I said, where I actually did like a shitload that was happening in act one and two. And it was act three that pissed me off. That was the same thing with Spider-Man where I I really hated where the movie eventually ended up. But, um, the same thing with this. I, I really, really still will fight, somebody that the intro to this movie is fucking great and then a lot of the establishment of Hellboy is really fucking good uh, and individual sequences are really good and then pieced together they start to get wobbly and then at the end it all just crumbles in my opinion it just falls apart yeah now um, what ends up happening just to wrap up the film is uh, he comes back Liz is uncon- is dead and for some reason I guess this FBI guy doesn't know CPR he's just like watching her not be alive and Hellboy whispers to her that if they don't let her come back to life, he's gonna go over to hell. I don't. I didn't exactly understand how he. Was yeah, like, it was just the, a real cheesy ending to it. Yeah, very tacked on the, love story. I think the bit was that he was that he threatened the spirits, and they were like, "Fuck that!" And they like you know gave her soul back. But that could have been that could have been the fucking cool ending if like the portal had been opened and Hellboy had to go through to some like. H.P. Lovecraft hellish world and fight something and like come back with Liz's soul. That would have been fucking cool. But I I, I would have like I'm just I'm just talking on my ass now. It's not really fair to say that about the movie. But yeah, I just think the better ending would have been if they had done something closer to the the seat of destruction where Rasputin is like, I don't need you, Hellboy. I don't I don't need you to do this because there's so much power inside of this this woman. I'm going to use it to basically break through to the other side and, and free the seven from their tombs. And, you know, and then Hellboy's like, well, you know, Hellboy with Abe's help ends up like stopping them. And then Liz's power is just out of control because Rasputin was pulling out all of it. And she ends up killing that Arag, whatever, and, and burns it alive because she's so powerful. And then it's sort of like, you know, it hints at how powerful she is as a character, blah, blah, blah. This ending just was real cheesy. 
Yeah, in the book, it gives her like almost like a Phoenix story saga uh, vibe from X Men. You know. Well, then at the end, you're just like, holy shit! Like at the end, you're like, all right, Hellboy is like nigh invulnerable. He's been beat up. He has some sort of secret origin, but Liz is actually like as powerful as Hellboy in an entirely different way. Like, what? When are they going to go into that more? And, and in the movie, she dies, and she's a corpse for the last 20 minutes. And for some reason, naked, which is real creepy. It's super weird. So the movie ends with a, the, the resumption of a voiceover, which, much like Spider-Man, it just comes back after it's been gone. And Myers says, uh, my friend, uh, Dr. Broom, which I was like, that's pretty presumptuous to think you guys were friends. You knew him for like three weeks. They only talked to him twice. Like, I just felt like that was like he was, you know, now that he's dead, he's going to try to play up their friendship. I didn't like it. Uh, it's just a real... <laughs> no? Okay. Uh, <laughs> so that's the end of uh, the end of Hellboy. There's a little... I don't know if it's before the credits or during the credits where they cut back and Jeffrey Tambor is just still in the M.C. Escher grave. It's supposed to be comedy relief. It's not funny. So the movie kind of ends... Not with a bang, but with a whimper. Uh, is there anything else you want to talk about we didn't bring up? No, but I did have something to reference. It's a little bit cheating, but um, we have talked about bad action figures every time. Uh-oh. Um, uh, every time we talk about a film. Uh, I wish I, I can't think of a non-cheesy name for this segment, so I won't even try to name it. But um, Didn't stop <laughs> you with Minnesota. <laughs> no, it sure didn't. There is a uh, a Hellboy figure uh, uh, that came out. It actually came out for Golden Army, so I'm a little bit cheating. But um, it is the worst thing uh, you've ever seen. And the reason why is that it's a 20-centimeter um, Hellboy, ba- a baby Hellboy, like young Hellboy. Um, but it looks less like kind of the comic version, which is sort of like an adorable, like, shrunken version of Hellboy. Yeah, it's just like a really and, small child with an arm that's basically the same size as him, because his arm's always yeah, the same size. That's what this figure is, yeah, it's like a, it's like a creepy cherub baby, it's been painted, um, and it, it's, it's got a penis, Pogues. No. It, it's got a, it, yeah, it's, it's, it is, it is not safe for work. It is a baby Hellboy with genitalia well we gotta uh, we gotta put that on the facebook see if we can get our account banned and i'm not face. saying it's some weird guy's creation it's got a box and everything with the hellboy logo um i can't explain it i don't know why it exists but somewhere in the promotion of hellboy somebody thought it was a good idea to um make a uh nude baby now how many of these have you bought already um well <laughs> Well, it it's currently really expensive. It's like it's like eighty bucks because I guess it, they probably realized they shouldn't be printing it. Yeah, and they then just like stop making it. Somebody was like, you know, that's got a baby penis on it. And they were like, oh <laughs> god, what have we done? Yeah, it's really upsetting. It's really upsetting. That's. Uh, I, I have nothing more to say than just. Uh, I don't know what you can Google. Uh, just no, Google. No, uh, we'll put it on our Facebook page. See if, uh, yeah, see if we can we'll, get our we'll get, page banned for a day. Yeah, yeah, let's get our page banned for a little bit. Now, uh, we would normally do sequential to cinema here, but we've been talking a lot about the difference throughout this episode. Uh, yeah, I, I don't think there's much else to say. I cannot recommend enough to read Hellboy. Uh, if you enjoy the movie, even in the slightest, if you're a fan of H.P. Lovecraft, um, any anything in that line of like the supernatural, the horror of the unknown. 
uh, ghost stories, old mythology. Hellboy is it, it's spectacular. I recommend. I can't recommend it enough. Spectacular art too. So I would recommend checking it out. You can skip most of the like BPRD stuff if you don't want to read it. I'm a huge fan of Lobster Johnson, who's a character from the expanded Hellboy universe. He appears in the Conqueror Worm. He's like supposed to be like sort of like the shadow, kind of like an old pulp figure who has a lobster's claw that he burns into people's heads. Love it. Spectacular. So that's what I'll say about the comic. Definitely read it. If nothing else, get Seed of Destruction and read it. And if you like it, get the rest of it. It's it's great stuff. Uh, there was a sequel to this film that Ben referenced, uh, The Golden Army, which has even less to do with Hellboy than this movie. It basically has nothing to do with anything. Which could be better or worse, depending on how upset, how you know, how interested you are in the series. You know, sometimes when a movie takes enough like distance and makes their own story, it can be better. But you know, I have actually, actually, I, I have not seen Golden Army. It's not so. that great. Uh, okay. They've also done <laughs> two animated films, which were, I mean, they're not great, but they're much better than the two live action films. So, if you like anim, no, they're not actually that great. Never mind. They're okay. <laughs> I really just, I really just revamped my decision mid sentence. Uh, well, that's. I guess that's going to wrap it up. Unless you had something else you wanted to mention. Uh, no, other than just in doing a research to make sure I remember actors' names before I started the podcast, I noticed that David Hyde Pierce is not credited in this movie at all. The voice of Ape Sapien. Oh, you're right. They only credit Doug Jones, the guy who played him. That's super. Weird. Why is that? Uh, I feel like that's a de- the dumb thing to ask on a podcast. I, I think you, as a listener, you probably <laughs> would prefer that I would know the answer to that, but. That's that. Is that's he never is listed odd. anywhere? No, he's not anywhere in it. Oh, actually, oh, what, what do you know? I actually have it here. It says Doug Jones' voice was dubbed by David Hyde Pierce, but Pierce refused a credit because he felt Abe was entirely Doug's creation and did not want to wish to detract from his performance. Oh wow, that's like a real uh, James Earl Jones not wanting to be credited for Darth Vader's yeah. voice. What a bro move, Dave Hyde Pierce. Okay. Well, that's he would he just wanted to be James Earl Jones. <laughs> there's a fun extremely nerdy fact for you guys if you ever want to impress somebody who's nobody's ever gonna be impressed with that he's not credited in the original two star wars as the voice of darth vader hmm. so there you go star wars fans. wow yeah they fit in maybe <laughs> i don't know all right uh as usual we'll throw in our plugs here if you listen to the show i'm gonna ask you to do us a favor uh please rate us apparently stitcher takes ratings i did not know this but our friend uh Frank posted a review of us on Stitcher, which was very nice of him. You can review us on iTunes. Please do this. Uh, it affects the way the search results are displayed, how you're displayed inside of iTunes, blah, blah, blah. It's just a good way to increase uh, our visibility if you like us. If you like us too, please you know, tell a friend to listen or whatever. We could always use uh, more people joining in on the conversation. Speaking of which, if you have corrections, omissions, or comments you'd like to make about this episode, go to our Facebook page, facebook.com slash naospod. You can leave any comment there. Tell us what we did wrong. Tell us what we did right. Make a joke, whatever. We'll talk about them on the next mini episode. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at naospod. So check us out there. You can follow me at, on Instagram at It's Pogues. Ben is on Twitter at The Disco Pony, correct? That's correct. Uh, also, my comedy strain, uh, comedy video game Twitter called The Strange Log, as well as my very nice looking um, uh, TheRealBenChapman.com, which now has an updated 
not another origin story seg- section to it. Really? I'll have to go check it this does. out. Yeah. Who hosts your website? <laughs> it's a Squarespace. I should, yeah. website. What? Somebody who listens to podcasts has a Squarespace page? <laughs> Never heard of this company. And you can sign up for a Squarespace page. <laughs> no, shut up. We don't get paid for that. <laughs> we, we don't get paid yet? Fuck. Uh, I do have a, a plug for anybody in Southwest Ohio. Um, my friend Aaron is putting on the Ohio Toy and Comic Show. Uh, it's a nice little show. It's $2 entry to get in, free parking. It's at the Holiday Inn right across from Wright State. If you're in the area, I will be there selling prints, uh, handing out little cards about not another origin story, shooting the shit. So if you want, if you're listening to this, you want to come by, there'll be some cool nerd stuff there. You can say hi to me, punch me in the face for making fun of your favorite comic book movie, whatever you'd like. I think that's just about it for this episode. So thanks for joining us for Hellboy. We'll see you next week for our mini episode where you'll find out our next Halloween-ish themed film. I'm pretty excited about it. Uh, Also, Cronenbot is now copyrighted by me.